When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Alright everybody, we are here for the Frankenhooker Q&A session slash reunion. Um, as with the previous panels, there's a microphone down in the far right corner. If you have any questions, just start to line up as I see folks on the staircase. I'll start to throw it over to the audience. But only questions with a yes or no answer. <laughs> uh, are these on? I think so. Uh, are they on? Yeah. Hello. There we are. All right. no? Mine's Testing. dead. Yeah. Mine's dead. So you, up in the back, raise your hand. Okay, got it. There we it. go. All right. All right, it works. Can it anybody works. hear me? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Right. Loud and clear. All right, so let's go through who's on our panel real quick. So first, to my immediate right, we have Patty Mullen, who played Elizabeth in Frankenhooker, the titular Frankenhooker. Hi. <laughs> Mullen, yes, hello. Next to her, we have Frank Henenlotter, uh, the director of some of your favorite B-movies, but in particular, director and co-writer of Frankenhooker. And finally, Jason Lorenz, who played uh, Jeffrey, who created the Frankenhooker. It is my boy. <laughs> Two out of three. Mullen. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and James. So, oh my God. <laughs> hey, you were close. The worst part Started is that I had notes. <laughs> <laughs> one more and we got to get violent. <laughs> Listen, I say Fred. get violent right now. We don't need one more. <laughs> we don't. What the hell is this? So... This is absolutely one of my favorite movies. So I was very excited to have the opportunity to sit and talk with you guys because I think that this is one of those movies that it's so strange, but also it's kind of brilliant in, in a lot of ways, in both the performances, the direction, the visuals. So I want to start with, with you two on what was it like when you saw the script? What was your thoughts reading the script for Frankenhooker for the first time? Well, uh, I, I'll go. Um, I got a script that was not called Frankenhooker. It was called Frankenstein 90. And it sounded very interesting, you know. And uh, I read the script, and uh, I was asked to audition for the movie and uh, to report to Carolyn Sinclair. She was the casting director. And, uh, you know, uh, the only issue I had 
and I discussed it. They said, oh, Frank Hennelau would like to meet you. And I said, I, I don't understand why he puts a drill in his head. <laughs> I, 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 you know, that and the, the guy going down on the girl in the bar, but that had nothing to do with me. And uh, he just said, no, 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 you, you'll be great. Don't worry about it, you'll be great. Well, I shut my mouth and I said, okay, I guess I will be great. But now I understand what he was doing with that scene. And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, uh, some drug overtones to this film, if you haven't noticed already. I and mean, we make fun of it. It's very funny to talk about super crack, you know, but this was a real epidemic, you know, that was going on. And the fact that everybody has some kind of a, uh, a crutch or some kind of a, you know, uh, a thing that they rely on. And, and for this guy, it was this drill. And then it made sense to me. Um, but that was the only thing in the script that uh, I, I really kind of questioned. Hmm. Did you, wait a minute. I, I don't recall <clears throat> ever wanting to audition you because I saw you in Street Trash. Well, no, but you still have to go through the right channels. And, uh, oh, God. I had right. to go, because yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. thought, no, no, no. I just, you know, uh, I told you I, when, when James was, had a small part in Street Trash, and I saw an early... I don't think I saw a cut of the film. I think Jim Muro, the director, was showing uh, select scenes from it. I think they were still trying to raise some funds to finish it. And uh, I saw a, most, well, I saw a chunk of footage of you. And after the <laughs> screening, I said to, Jam to Jimmy Jason. Muro, yeah, Jason. Uh, I said, uh, hey, I said, you got nothing to worry about this film. I said, the guy in the lead is hilarious. And, and I said, the scenes where he's doing, and he goes, oh, that's not the lead. And, and I said, well, make him the lead. Because that's your movie, you know. And you told me he did add some seeds. Huh? Yes, yeah. he did. That, well, I didn't realize you had input in that. Uh, <laughs> I, and I got a phone call once. I was living on 83rd in Amsterdam in New York City. I had a red telephone. Phone rang. Hello? And I heard, hello, this is Frank Hennenlotter. I'm working on a film, and I'd like to use you in it. I'll call you as soon as things, you know, progress. And he hung up. And a year later, really? I never heard from him again. So? Yes, you did. You later. called me and said that. I remember that. <laughs> what do That's I know? Weird. I got the script right at the same time as I met Frank. Who yeah. Had, yeah. If, if, Frank has incredible energy. You, Not you anymore. So excited. <laughs> you were so excited, though. We're going to do this, and we're going to do that. We got these hookers. They're going to blow up. You're going to do this. And... <laughs> And I was like, wow, this sounds so cool. But I didn't see any of his other movies. So I went out right away and got every single Frank Hen and Lauder thing I could find. And you still agreed to do it? Ah, then I was really excited. I was like, wow, this is, this is something that's going to be really great for me to be a part of. See, every, every model that was coming in looked like a model, looked like a pinup. And when I was told you were going to stop by and that you were about your association with Penthouse, I thought, oh, Christ, it's not what I want. But I'll, you know, I'll meet with her anyway. And you walked in and you, were, you looked like the girl next door. <laughs> That's what I wanted. I wanted that. And then I also knew that now from your background, you would understand the transformation. Right, you right. Know? So it was great. You know? And the, uh, the only direct thing I ever gave Patty was make a funny face. <laughs> that was it, and she did that. That was it. That's the end of all directing. <laughs> now, for you, Frank, I know you talked about it last night when we did the commentary, and you've talked about it on other commentaries. But in case anyone hasn't heard the story, how did Frankenhooker come to be? Because I believe it was on the fly, right? Uh, yeah, completely. <laughs> it was. Uh, I had another script 
that I had sent to uh, Jim Glickenhaus called Insect City, and uh, it was a really bizarre one. And as he said, Frank, I love the script, but it's just too, I wouldn't put a penny into it. No one's gonna, it's just too much. It's just too out there, you know, for the kind of commercial uh, horror film he wants to release. And I'm thinking, all right, all right. I mean, I'm not gonna argue with it, it, it it's, it's dead. But then he said, well, do you have anything else? Well, no. Uh, but I realized I'm sitting across from a guy who wants to work with me, wants to make a film with me. And I said, well, yeah, and I had all, you know, these half-baked ideas that you always have in your head. And I said, well, there's one about a guy who, uh, uh, you know, brings his girlfriend back to life by, the, by uh, pieces of hookers, and he starts laughing. And he says, well, how'd she die? And I'm going, I don't know, um, uh, lawnmower. <laughs> all right, and he says, well, where does he get this? And, I, and every time he kept asking me a question, I was coming up with the answer, and all he was doing was laughing and laughing and <laughs> laughing. And I think, looking back on it, we probably got maybe 45 minutes worth of material at, at, at the thing. And, uh, and then he says, what else do you have? And I'm telling you, I, my brain was fried. I, I mean, you could smell the smoke in the room. <laughs> and I, I, I said, well, there's always a basket case, too. And he goes, oh, I want that. He says, well, which one do you want to make? And I said, why don't we make them both back to back? Uh, you know, we'll have the same crew, uh, same effects. We just, you know, and uh, I mean, it sounded so logical. Um, I, I don't know why most people don't do that, but uh, it, it worked out well, but, and that's that. And then when I, when I got outside, I was there with um, Edgar Ivins, who was the producer for the film. And when we got outside, I said that, I was going so fast, I don't remember. And I said, Edgar, I don't remember what I just said. I said, do you remember what the plot was? What it was I was telling him? He's telling me this. And I went, oh my God, we gotta make this? <laughs> <laughs> and I was horrified. Because I just wanted, to, you know, I came out of there thinking we have the deal for two movies. It didn't occur to me I have to make them. <laughs> and uh, that night I'm sitting at home and I'm thinking, oh God, what is it? And I started coming up with lines and scenes and I started laughing and I'm thinking, you know, this could be a good film. This could be funny. And uh, I always wanted to make a Frankenstein movie. I wanted, always wanted to make a Frankenstein movie with the, I always judge a Frankenstein movie by the equipment scene with the lab scene. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that's what I wanted. And I was so, and we got that in it. So I was, you know, that, that was my goal. I want to make a Frankenstein movie. I want to do a James Whale film in color. <laughs> you know. You did it. I never knew that you had shot that in Basket Case 2 back to back, but it makes a lot of sense because I think both of those films are, they're kind of like you at your most, like, let's throw things at the wall and yeah, make yeah, this work. Yeah. Like, they're very over the top well, movies it, it in worked, the best way. It worked because Gabe Bartalos was the head of the special makeup effects thing. And Gabe is insane, but he's also a very intelligent coordinator. Yeah. He knew what was being made at every moment, despite the fact that he might be hysterical laughing. And he used to sit there with Jan Saint and encourage Jan Saint to make the sounds of a bear. <laughs> I mean, it's a, you know, <laughs> you know, that's like, okay. But um, what he liked about it is he could use the same materials and he, he while we were shooting Frankenhooker, they were uh, making all the, the freaks at the same time. Okay. They needed time for that. So it made sense we shoot Frank and Hooker first. It had less effects. And it was, it was great. It was really great. What were some of you, the, for all three of you, what were some of your favorite moments during filming? Do you have memories that you kind of reflect back on all these years later as just like, that was the best time? 
for me, there was no best time. It's work. <laughs> it's work. Okay? I mean, it's, it's work, and it's hard work. And uh, as much as I love special effects, they kill you. All right? They don't work. But obviously, it was blowing up the hookers. I had so much fun with that. <laughs> I had, I, I, um, before we did that, it was just uh, me and Peter Clark filming the girls having the party. Because, you know, they didn't want the crew members gawking at them. And even when we did it, you know, when you take it a focus thing, I, made, I said to me, make sure you don't accidentally, you know. <laughs> and, uh, um, and it was great. And they were all in such a good mood. They were having a good time, even though I don't know if they liked each other or got along. I don't know. But they behaved that way. It was really, really kind of wonderful. And then at one point I said, all right, we'll finish this after lunch. And they went, oh, no, no, Frank, you've got to finish it now. I'm thinking, why? And they said, well, if we eat, our stomachs will... Be bloated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I went, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, what, did I, what do I know? <laughs> I, you know? So uh, that was the most fun. And I mean, I, it's the only... Of all the films I've done, it's the only scene that I can laugh at. The same spots every scene. I laugh at that scene so much. I almost wish that was on my grave. You know, he <laughs> it's killed just a video screen he killed six that. hookers <laughs> or eight hookers in a hotel room. I, it just and it wouldn't and it was very clear it wouldn't have worked with blood. If I had done a gore scene, hmm. uh, he's killing people. But and Gabe even said, "Can I put red powder?" And I said, "No, fireworks. As long as it's fireworks and the sound of fireworks, you're." In, you can't help but laugh. Right. <laughs> you know, even though yeah. these people are dying, it I'm sorry, but they're funny. And the it, head flying through the air oh looks God. like a fake head flying yeah. through the yeah. air. Yeah, right? I mean, Jesus. There's nothing real yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really and brings you back to the fantastical aspect of the movie when that happens, too. Like, it's, like, you could, I don't know, I mean, maybe you could buy into the lawnmower death, but, like, that's the moment where you're like, okay, this is just for fun. Like, we're just having a good time with this movie right, right. now. Right. How about you two? Any memories of filming that you, you still are like, that was a great time yeah, doing that scene? Lots of memories. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I loved being in the fat suit in the beginning, remember? When you were playing with the eyeball, the brain eyeball, leaning on in you. That was like, you know, before I became Frankenhooker, but the unveiling was fun, too, getting to knock you over. Remember that? <laughs> And then those shoes, you know, those shoes were actually made out of wood. There was two pairs of them. And I would always try to look for the ones that were really even and good, but sometimes I would get the ones that were like, one of them was crooked, and when I'm walking like that, it's because these shoes, whoever made those, who made those shoes? So whoever made those shoes made one of the pairs uneven. So uh, when you see me almost falling over, I'm really almost falling over because I couldn't get the good pair. So, I mean, just, just a lot of, lot of well, parts well, of the movie. I needed Frankenstein shoes. But it makes a little logical sense. I mean, why would, why would he put Frankenstein shoes on? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. But I, I don't care. It worked. Uh, well, my shoes sucked, too. <laughs> I remember I didn't care for the shoes at all. Uncomfortable, tight. You had and, those uh, slippers on that 
go Actually, with scrubs. Actually, I used my own shoes for this. Oh, I remember, and my own socks. He had the scrubs on when he ran, uh, ran out of the garage. Yes, you had, I think, blue scrubs. Yeah, right? but no, but my shoes were my <laughs> shoes. And uh, they, real shoes. they were all right. I mean, you know, I'm sorry that you had such a bad time. <laughs> but uh, as for no, memories me of, the uh, uh, you know, I, I, at first it was very uncomfortable, but I grown to like. There's a lot of times where I'm all alone. <laughs> in yeah. these scenes and um, I guess that's why I started mumbling and kind of talking out loud because it's uh, you know y you, you tend to think that oh this is boring you know uh, or you know nobody wants to just see you know you go through a book and then do this and say you know so I guess out of uh, insecurity I started kind of mumbling things and uh, uh, luckily Frank picked up on it and was kind of, you know, oh, okay, let's do this, let's do that, you know, and so it, it, it was almost like a, a nervous breakdown being directed, you know, like, huh. uh, and uh, uh, that part, it scared me in the beginning because of the being alone, imagine somebody, you know, like, you know, you, he's got a camera on, he, imagine being filmed and I've got nothing to say, you're just shooting me and what I do and my behavior and, you know. Well, the, so I like to enjoy the the alone time. The uh, the ad libs were brilliant. Um, you know, um, I had to use them. I just asked James not to ad lib on camera. But I think the deal was, as long as I laugh, uh, we keep it. Yeah, the, I, the, I the, the, it was very carefully orchestrated. Yeah, this yeah. was not made up. Meaning, yeah. well, I was, would. I mean, it, we would throw a few things out. That sounds good. That doesn't sound. Yeah. It was like a shorthand. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, good. Uh, who? Van Johnson? No, no. <laughs> Whatever the, yeah. the the thing would be. And so, you know, it's. Uh, I hope it was enjoyable for you too, because we kind of have the same sense in terms of uh, nostalgia and yeah. uh, comedy in a way. Uh, you mentioned it last night during the. We, we did a, a commentary last night here, and that everybody in this film has a sense of. What, and this is the brilliance of, of the of the whole movie because you have to have the right actors that that understand and the the Spanish pimp, okay, he was that, great that goes uh, under this table. Anyway, he was really great. Yeah, and you know, you you can't direct that. I mean, you can to some no. degree, but either you got the guy or you don't. And you even said he, he understood it. He got the the, the tone of what was going on. Completely. Oh, he skeeved me out. I, <laughs> <laughs> I really, I remember that. You and them that. exploding bitches. I mean, you, I, you know, you can't tell anybody. To this day, my mother quotes that line. She still does. You and your exploding bitches. You know, it's like a comedy right, right. thing in the house. Right. She's on her way. She oh, okay. was, uh, they were at Roadside America earlier. They were running late. <laughs> you know. But also what James did was he made everything sound like a spontaneous ad lib. I mean, that's what the genius of it was, because you never once sounded like you were reading from a script or reading lines. You know, all the mumbles, all the comments, they all were, they all flowed. They all it worked. did flow. Yeah. yeah. I would say that the mumbles are what really makes the opening credits so captivating, too. Like, like just listening to, to no, James. What's he doing? Yeah, what's he just, talking about? There's all these exactly. drawings, and it would be a captivating opening just with the hand drawing stuff, but it's that, yeah. that insane mumbling where you don't understand yeah, what's right. being said. You're like, what is this movie that I'm about to watch? <laughs> uh, last night, 
Frank, you mentioned something that I had never noticed in all the times that I watched this, but there's really no blood in this movie at all, except for the, the yeah. lawnmower yeah. scene. Yeah. Hey. I mean, that, again, I'm mystified that we got an X rating from this film. I, I, I mean, yeah, That's what? amazing. Um, and um, the, the MPAA back then, if I can digress, were, uh, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, you know, if I was doing a, a, a G-rated kids film, I'll be damned if I'd submit it for a rating. Yeah. Because I just, I just, you know, if uh, the majors do something, that's one thing. Independent filmmakers, fuck you. That's yeah. basically it. And the head of the MPAA at the time, of the ratings board, I meant, uh, called Shapiro Glickenhaus. We submitted the film, waiting to hear back, and they called SGE and got the secretary on the phone, and the guy who was in charge, and I forget his name, which is good, um, said, uh, congratulations. Uh, you have the first film rated S. And she said, S? You mean like S for sex? And he said, no, S for shit. Yay! But that was their starting off point. How do you know? How do you negotiate with these assholes now? I mean, who the hell are you? You're supposed to pick a rating that's suitable, not give me a review. Yeah. Okay. And Jim Glickenhaus, <laughs> he loved it because now he had ammo. He went to every trade paper, every single one, and gave a story about that. Embarrassed, embarrassed the hell out of them. Okay. Good for and, him. And then you know. Uh, we, we said we want to appeal it, and there's rules for that, and we appealed it, and it came back 50-50, which meant another appeal. We did two appeals, and I remember standing there saying, there's no blood. What? There's fireworks. How could you be offended by this? But the idiot logic of them is like, okay, let's say we wanted an R rating. We show six hookers exploding. Cut two. So you're saying four are acceptable? So you're saying, oh, we can destroy a human being four times and make them explode, but two more Nine, is offensive. Six. Now, yeah. if we had said them, we have four, they'd say cut two. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And uh, uh, I mean, there's no way to win, so we just said, fine, fuck it, we'll put it out unrated. They did make an R-rated cut for like Blockbuster and some like that, which is, you know, right, abs right. absolutely worthless. But yeah. um, I mean, that's what we were up against with that. And uh, um, <coughs> I mean, I, I, I kept stressing, you know, uh, they were offended. They said, oh, all the sex scenes. What sex scenes? There were no sex scenes in the it film. There was one. Yeah. You know, and, there's and very they, little sexiness in that sex scene. It wasn't about, exactly. like, it wasn't about Especially with the miracle whip man. Yeah. <laughs> Through that window. Yeah. And, and they, they, were, uh, they were complaining about the examination scene. I'm saying R rated nudity. How come I'm being penalized when everything on Cinemax is showing the same stuff? Well, you know, there's a certain point where you just say, you know, fuck you guys. Uh, you know, I, you just have to walk away. And, and when we did Basket Case 2, we knew that they were going to attack the scene where Belial and the little female Belial have sex. As it, you know, it's, it's, again, it's funny. All right. When she's when the little female is getting excited, her foot starts going like this and everything. <laughs> and what we did is let it run long, because we knew okay we're going to have to cut x amount of shots out of it. So let's let's start with enough. Well, because of Jim Glickenhaus's publicity blitz against the MPAA, 
when we submitted Biscuit Case 2. Not a word. They came back with an already immediately. <laughs> <laughs> immediately. Oh, my God. And then, yes, and then I said, well, let it run long. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, what else do you see you little monsters fucking on the screen? You know, <laughs> we can get away with it now, oh, so enjoy funny. it, you know. And we added wedding belts to that scene, which I think is so hilarious. Wow. <laughs> If you want to know more stories about how terrible the MPAA is, I highly recommend anyone checking out the documentary. This film is not yet rated, which yes. really dives into it. Uh, Frankenhooker had probably, I would say, one of the most iconic VHS boxes with the talk box that says, want a date? Where did that, where did that stem out of? That was entirely the idea of James Glickenhaus. That was entirely him. Very he was smart. like, he did a William Castle <laughs> back in 1990. And I am convinced that the success of the film on home video was because of that box. I don't think it was the film. I think it was the box because the box is what drew the people in, got them to see it, made them buy it, made them rent it. The, everything, I mean, that was the first step. Not the title, not anything, but that box, that damn box, which is, I, I don't mean that damn box bad. I just thought that box was brilliant. Brilliant. Everybody had to press a button. You know, I still have about a dozen sealed boxes, but of course the batteries are dead. So yeah, there's a thing on YouTube on how to fix that box. Yeah, no, there, there really <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's great. Cute. How to fix your talking Frankenhooker <laughs> box. Hey, everything's on YouTube. Hey, it looks like we have someone lining up for a question, so let's uh, throw over there. Yeah. Uh, hi, I had a, a, a two-part question, actually. Uh oh, um, trouble. <laughs> for the, uh, for, uh, uh, it's Elizabeth, right? Right. As the, um, she's, all, everything about her after she comes back to life is purple. The serum is purple, her, her bag is purple, her, uh, her hair, everything. Was that for, was that a production reason? Like it was easier to shoot? Well, it was the uh, purple estrogen based serum that he packed her in, yeah, right? Yeah, but I, I I listen, I, when, I did, when I did Brain Damage, I remember saying, I want this film to be about blue. I just wanted the color in it. That's the mm. predominant thing. And then when I spoke to the original director of photography for Frankenhooker, I said, I want this to be purple. And I remember went, you saying yeah. that. I want went, purple. I, I want don't understand black. What you're I want this. Oh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. get it. And I'm thinking, well, maybe you're not going to work out. You know? And he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, it just, I just—I don't know why. Purple. I don't have no he wanted reason purple. for it. Yeah. I wanted purple, and I wanted the, the liquid purple. I wanted the uh, the brassiere purple. I wanted it. Everything. We even oh god, we even had a moment where we were going to show uh, you, you, when when Patty's taken off in the room with David Lippman, with the uh, the chubby guy. Right. Uh, Miracle Whip. Mir okay. <laughs> he, you see him look down, Damn. and then he looks back up. Well, when he looks down, we wanted to show. Uh, her uh, you know. purple pubic hair. Yes, and uh, <laughs> uh, Patty didn't want to do I it for real. I've been absolutely, but I said, well, you know, and I, I told you, uh, BB will do it right. as long as you approve of that. Right. And I remember we they were working on the and one day they come in and baby BB says, what do you think? And I said, too brown. <laughs> and they go back out and until we got the right color purple. And then uh, <laughs> I just I'm the one who cut it out of the film. I thought it was for that moment. It was just. Not, not graphic, but it was a little vulgar. It took it someplace yeah, yeah, else. It did. Like, it did. It know, did. No, it really did. Again. And I vulgar. took. And, and I took. Uh, when the girls are dancing and blowing up, there's moments where I didn't filter the nudity. I just, you know, 
And I took that out also because I figured when I'm watching, when I was watching the footage of it, my eyes were going there. And I'm thinking, well, if, if my eyes are going there, so everybody in the audience is going to be looking in the wrong place instead of where, you know, what the scene is. So, right. you know, and uh, I've got those scenes at home, by the way. No, I don't. Oh. <laughs> I don't know where they are. They were that. I think that was all junk. It wasn't my pubic hair. No, no, no. <laughs> And I told you, I said to you, you you will you have to approve it. Right, yeah. I remember. Yeah. What about my pubic hair? Yeah, no, that, yeah, did we didn't want to see in? that. I, mean, I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I was told this film was going to be orange, not purple. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You said you had a second question. Uh, yeah, the second the second question was when um, when Franken is uh, uh, screwing himself all up to to get the ideas. Was that a commentary on on like intellectualism or something like that? Because he has to, he has to damage himself to become smarter. You mean when he has the drill in his head yeah, and he's yeah. coming up with this idea of kidnapping stewardesses? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a release. Yes. I mean, well, when you say intellectualism, uh, you know, I don't. I mean, this guy is practically smart, but I don't think he's socially aware. And and right. you know, so when this drill goes into his head. It forces him to come out with this silly idea, which was in the script, by the way. All of that is part of the script. Get some stewardesses, and we'll, I'll, you know, tie them up. I can get, you know. So, how do you make that believable and also have a drill in your head? That was the, yeah. the, the you know, conundrum. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I would. I don't know. What do you? Well, think? I also wanted Jeffrey Franken to be a drug addict, but not be obvious about it. Right. That was the whole point. Right. He Just like that, Elmer. He, yeah. It's he, like an Elmer. Yeah. He puts the drill in his head, and, and he sounds like a coke addict. Oh no, I'm going to do this. No, 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 no all right, thank you very much. Thank you. Is there someone else? Yeah, I think I thought I saw someone coming down. <laughs> Hello. 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 Um, so Elizabeth's head is in the goo for a while. Uh, Jersey Boy takes about, has the head out, pours wine down it. The head is still like not white and the hair is still blonde and then later the, the head is white and the hair is black. Um, other body parts, there's just like, you know, a tit mouth and like, you know, feet ass. So I'm like, wait, wait. So, so it's Frankenhooker. And so I would think like maybe her face would be green or something, <laughs> you know? So I was just wondering what what that is about or if there that was a, just an aesthetic choice and oh, you know yeah it's a, a, a very simple answer gabe said to me what do you want to do i got to cover with scars and i said she's a monster but i don't want to looking like a monster i want it to be attractive i want you know i mean it's simple as that we put the white on because it's better than green green would scare you white is still pale and attractive and even her uh, few scars weren't a turnoff so uh, it was just, I mean, I, the, the joke is she's a sexy monster and she should be sexy. And you are sexy, despite the scars, you know. Well, thank you. You know how to act sexy. With <laughs> scars. <laughs> With scars, right. 
And the purple is the the uh, serum that he kept me in. That's why my hair turned purple and my, you know. Or maybe. Who knows? Nipples. Yeah, could be any cause something I ate. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was black. Like, the, the hair. hair. No, yeah. that was like oh. a dark purple. Real dark, oh, dark. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and like you know, we, we didn't make that. We just went to uh, St. Mark's where they had uh, all the, back in those days, they sold all these goddamn uh, wigs. Yeah. At, at uh, the, you could buy sunglasses and <laughs> rings and any, any wig you wanted. So we would just tell her, I said, get me the most purple, long-haired wig you can find. <laughs> Hello. So were like the little, the little creatures I was talking about, were those like tests for basket case two? Or like, were She's they just about working on the fridge, right? Yeah, the fridge stuff. That's not black and perp, dark purple. That's just, you know. No, but those weren't put together yeah. by Jeffrey. They kind of got they stuck together. They were morphed together by the yeah, lightning. Yeah, morphed together. They, perfect. That was just, that was like a spontaneous fusion of body parts. Did backstage, did that serve a purpose for the people who made them to, as like practice for Basket Case 2? Because you guys no, were doing we, back No, back. we were okay. already filming Basket Case. Uh, we already had the creatures designed for Basket Case 2. This, just for this, this was fused body parts. Here's, here's what, what I was thinking is. Everybody said, oh, oh, God. Oh, I love seeing tits in a movie. Well, what happens if there's four of them wrapped around <laughs> somebody? All right? I mean, really, that was yeah. it. What happens if this? You, you want to see a butt? Well, what if, what if above the butt is the mouth? That was, <laughs> the, that was the idea, you know? If you're going to objectify a female body and thing, well, what about this? Here, I'm giving you, I'm giving you a lot of it, and... What if we know. do it to you instead? Yeah, yeah. 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 and I mean, I, I, that's why that's so funny. I mean, it, it just, uh, you know, they're, you know, I, I think they are. Yeah. No, I love it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. All right, well, we have to wrap it up, unfortunately, but if it's not too much to ask, Patty, can you give us one quick want a date with the face? Ah. <laughs> I would have did that anyway. <laughs> want a date? Going out? Got any money? Looking for action? Want any company? <laughs> Thank you all so much Thank for you. this. Make sure that you go and check these guys out. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they'll be back at their table. They're closing up the vendor room in 20 minutes. But tomorrow, come by and say hi to everybody. And thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for coming. Very nice seeing you again. Yeah, have a great night. <laughs>